Hey guys, what's up? It's Greg Srizavasti. This is Find Your Film, episode 146. I know this is going to be a, a primarily a physical media podcast universe, but so you're going to have for this segment my weekly rundown of my Dollar Tree store, all the DVDs and Blu-rays that I've rifled through. So the Dollar Tree haul will be up and running for this week. So you're going to get a little bit of the segment with that. But what I'm also going to add for Find Your Film, and I've told talked to the publicists about this, that I also want this podcast to be filmmaker-centric. So a lot of the directors I interview, and sometimes Eric Holmes interviews as well, will be housed on the Find Your Film podcast. Now the actors and screenwriters and whatnot, primarily actors, will be housed on the Cinematics podcast feed, where me, Bruce Perky, Eric Holmes, Anderson Cowan, we do weekly movie reviews over on Cinematics. But for here on Find Your Film, Blu-ray, DVD coverage, Dollar Tree hauls, and director-centric interviews. For this installment for Find Your Film episode 146, I have an interview with Edward Drake, the writer and director behind the new Bruce Willis film, Detective Night Independence. I'm going to say one thing about this, okay? Edward Drake gets a lot of just criticism from Filmmaker, I mean, critics like me or bloggers like me, a lot of them slag on his work. I really, I love this type of genre, the Lion's Gate. Some, a lot of times it's straight to on digital, on demand action thriller type of movies, which features actors that I grew up with. You know, I'm thinking John Cusack, Emil Hirsch, and Val Kilmer, Val Kilmer. Bruce Willis here. And also what's great about Detective Night Independence is you have a, another generation of actors. You have Jack Kilmer, the son of Val Kilmer, actually being the lead for Detective Night Independence. So you're going to get my interview with Edward Drake. I, if you like these type of films, which personally I do, and you can, you can pretty much tell from my chat with him during the interview, but you're going to, it's going to be a fun movie for you to watch. And there's going to be a couple of reasons that I'm going to talk about in my mini review of Detective Night Independence, why it's worth watching. So you're going to get a mini review of that. You're also going to get a mini review of another film called There's Something Wrong with the Children. Right now, this movie is currently on digital and on demand. It will be available on MGM Plus March 17th. I did receive a screening link a couple of days ago. So I'm going to tell you guys if that movie directed by Roxanne Benjamin is worth your your watch, worth your time. Spoiler alert, both of these films, There's Something Wrong with Children and Detective Night Independence are both worth your time. Should have actually, when I had the chance, I should have interviewed Roxanne Benjamin as well. I interviewed her for her previous film. I believe her movie was called Body at Brighton Rock. I remember really enjoying that several years ago. Definitely need to rewatch it. But that was a very interesting film as well. So you're going to get these mini reviews for these two films. And then I'm going to launch into the Edward Drake interview. If you are a writer by trade or you're passionate about being a writer or just a daily, this is a daily thing for you, the whole writing process, writing screenplays or novels, you're going to enjoy this interview with Drake because A, he, he pretty much talks about his lifelong passion for getting up in the morning at six in the morning and just writing no matter what. He is, he's directed, I'm, I'm thinking maybe five or six movies the last three or four years, maybe even more primarily with Bruce Willis, you know, it, obviously, you know, Bruce Willis, he's a, he has, a, I believe it's called aphasia. It's failing health the last couple of years. Drake has worked with Willis quite a bit the last several years. So that's a whole different situation. I did not broach that su- subject during the interview because it's already, it's already well known what the last couple of years of Bruce Willis's career has been like. 
all that said, it's really interesting to see what he can do with Bruce Willis within this Detective Knight trilogy. This is the last in the trilogy. I haven't seen the first two installments. So we're going to get to Drake. He's also talks, if you're really interested in being an indie filmmaker within a certain kind of budget, within the action thriller genre budget, it'll be interesting for you to actually listen to the Drake interview as well. So after these two mini reviews, then the Drake review interview, then I'm going to go with my Dollar Tree haul. And by the way, by next week, I'll have a, actually a couple of Blu-rays to actually review for this physical media focus-centric podcast, okay? So that is what you're going to get from Find Your Film. And let me start right now with the two reviews with Detective Knight Independence first, and then there's something wrong with the children coming up in one second. Okay, so this is a little bit of a surprise. I was expecting because of a lot of these Bruce Willis films do not get really good reviews, and Edward Drake in his previous work, a lot of his stuff does not get good reviews, solid reviews from critics. I like his stuff. I saw his previous movie, uh, Gasoline Alley, huge fan of that noir, very interesting film. Definitely check that out if you if it's streaming anywhere or if you want to rent and purchase. I'll, I'll eventually down the line, hopefully I'll purchase a Blu-ray, Blu-ray of Gasoline Alley and review that as well. But anyways, Detective Night Independence on IMDb, it has a 3.5 out of 10 rating. But on Rotten Tomatoes, as of this recording, there's 10 reviews from critics, 80%. 80% from critics, and then the audience score currently fewer than 50 ratings, by the way, 78% on Detective Night Independence. Now, let me get to the actual review and per- the plot synopsis behind this movie. Here we go. Quote, unquote, Bruce Willis is Detective James Knight. It's the final part of the Knight trilogy, and he's last minute assigned to an Independence Day shift. And with this Independence Day shift turns haywire when a very, it says here, a, an unbalanced ambulance, an unbalanced ambulance EMT from is threatening the city. Okay. This unbalanced EMT is played by Jack Kilmer, the son of Val Kilmer. Jack Kilmer plays Desi, D-E-Z-I. That is a plot synopsis. So basically you have a showdown between Detective Knight and Desi. And that is the premise. Will Detective Knight stop Desi before Desi does a lot of harm? Now, that is the premise, but it's a lot more, uh, it's a lot more layered than that, okay? Because the whole movie, actually, Detective James Knight, as much as we love Bruce Willis, he's really not a big part. He is the secondary character in this movie, okay? That's the one thing that you got to realize. The main character is the antagonist, or as Jack Kilmer said in the interview, he's the anti-hero. So Desi, the EMT who initially wanted to do well and just uh, just be a, a pillar to, the, to its community and fight for justice, turns a different way because of certain circumstances. And throughout the movie, you get to really, it's a very locked-in perspective on Desi's life as a frustrated EMT person who always wanted to be a cop. Willow Shields, you might know her from The Hunger Games. She plays his fellow EMT co-worker and also girlfriend. She's in this quite a bit as well. And Bruce Willis, look, it is a Detective Night trilogy, so you do have his, you do have him in, in the department bantering back and forth with his, with his partner, Lock, played by Lachlan Moreau. There's Monroe, and there's also a really cool cameo, relative cameo from Dina Meyer. And I mentioned that during the interview. You might know Dina Meyer from Saw and Starship Troopers. I love her from Starship Troopers. And she was years ago in a short-lived series called Birds of Prey. And she's just a very interesting actress. Love her. But this movie is written by Edward Drake, and he also directed it. 
here's here's a really cool thing. The actual production was about seven or eight days. And for what he was able to do within just that short period of time, he was able to make a very solid action thriller. Really good way to, you know, after watching this this trilogy, I want to actually see the previous night installments. But the highlight of Detective Night Independence for me is the fact that Jack Kilm- Jack- I put Jal. Jack Kilmer is very, very good in the lead role. And you get to really, it's sort of a take on without saying, it's a sort of a take on Joker, right? What happens when a person who's just trying, who's, who is a little bit of an outcast in society, what happens when he turns, there's a few left turns that goes his way, or maybe there's certain thing circumstances of fate which takes him into a much darker direction so detective night independence is not your average action thriller because you get to see the pov from the other side the quote-unquote evil bad side that person being jack kilmer's desi now if that plot does not attract you and you just want a complete bruce willis movie i would say probably steer clear from detective night independence but if you want something different in your Lionsgate-driven action thriller dynamic, this is worth a watch. So out of five stars, I'm giving this three and a half out of five. It's a solid recommend. It's currently in theater. It opened in theaters January 20th, but a lot of you will be able to actually see it on digital and on demand. Worth checking out, A, if you want to see Bruce Willis in one of his last films. And also, if you are a fan of Jack Hilmer from The Nice Guys, Palo Alto, and Lords of Chaos, if you want to see him in a really meaty lead role, check it out. It's a very interesting character. I like the Desi character in Detective Night Independence. So that is my review. Hopefully, hopefully, would love to hear what you guys think of this movie. Get back to me on that. Now, the second film is There's Something Wrong with the Children. And this is a family, what, how would I say it? A family horror story. But do not, when I say family horror story, do not take your kids to see this movie because it is very dark okay so it is currently right now on digital and not on demand here's the plot up quote when margaret and ben take a weekend trip with longtime friends ellie and thomas and their two young children ben begins to suspect something supernatural is occurring when the kids behave strangely after disappearing into the woods overnight so that is the premise ben is played by zach guilford and what happens is he and his he and his girlfriend, longtime girlfriend, Alicia Wainwright, they're, they're thinking about having kids. And, but they see the fractured relationship between their other friends. Their other friends were played by Amanda Crew and Carlos Santos. They're all together for a weekend getaway and they each have a cabin in sort of a, the remote and the remote area. And they're trying to have a really nice weekend getaway. They're right next to each other cabin wise. But this pretty much young couple, they see the married couple and they see that fractured relationship and their their only love, their only passion, it seems, is for their children, their two precocious kids. And so this couple, again, played by Zach Guilford and Alicia Wainwright, they're wondering whether they should move forward with their relationship and have children. But the warning signs are there because they see their friends and their friends are kind of not really getting along. Their married friends are not getting along too much, too well. The only thing that they have in common are the children. So there's a lot of question marks going on. But the big question mark with there's something wrong with the children is exactly that title. There may be something really wrong with the kids because one day all the, the entire crew go out on a morning hike and they stumble upon this weird 
sort of mini uh, cave-ish labyrinth maze thing where and Zach Guilford's character he's the first person to go through this inside this cave structure and they realize and and eventually everyone else goes in and they realize at somewhere in the middle of this structure there is a long seemingly bottomless hole that we, we they do not know how far it goes and that this whole presence this whole atmosphere immediately transfixes the kids and who knows maybe it might have taken hold of the children. That's the the a big part of the narrative. You're trying to figure out: Are the kids possessed by some kind of spirit that is arisen from this or force from this area, or are these kids just trying to play games, some pranks on their parents' friends? Okay, so a big part of that, a big part of the narrative centers on that. The first about twenty to twenty five minutes of there's something wrong with the children is sort of the obligatory world building of the friendships between the couples and the children so it's a slow burn for the first 20 to 25 minutes this movie let me look how yeah it's 92 minutes after you get to close to the 30 minute mark then it's wall to wall just weird forced perception there is violence there is breakneck tension throughout the rest of the movie Roxanne Benjamin, the music here is by The Gifted. The way Roxanne uses the music in this movie is really well-placed and it's very punchy. And I know from interviewing her a couple years back, she's a fan of movies from the 80s and early 90s, I believe, if I recall. I think there's a movie called either Year of the Comet or Night of the Comet or something that she's a, she was thinking about several years ago remaking, but she really loved that film. I have not seen that film, but she is a cinephile, especially of that whole era of horror thriller genres from that time and you can see with this movie it has there's a certain punch and energy to there's something wrong with the children that i really enjoyed so overall this movie it's if you can stay with the slow burn the rest of the movie is pretty much breakneck and pretty awesome and it is violent it's uncompromising and i love the execution the ending of the movie is really well done as well and it's just a solid film. This is this for me out of five stars. I'm giving There's Something Wrong with the Children four out of five stars. Highly recommend this movie as something to watch. Let me see what it actually got on Rotten Tomatoes right here. Right here, there's something. Sorry about the typing. Something wrong with the children. Okay, sorry about this. Okay, there's something wrong with the children. Again, on digital, on demand. And by the way, Amanda Crew, who plays the mother of the kids, she was seen several years ago in Freaks, and she was really good in that. Okay, here's the thing. Caveat. Tomato meter from the critics, 65% from 23 reviews. Now, audience rating, the audience score is 36% for there's something wrong with the children. By the way, the children are really good in this movie. If there is a little bit more of a, a little bit of a complaint in this movie, I wanted a little bit more of the kids because they're just very fun to watch or not. I don't want to give too much away whether they're evil or not evil or, or whatnot, but I enjoyed their performances. I thought it, and, Towards the, the middle of the movie, there is a shift in the dynamic regarding who's actually the lead in the film, which I thought was really cool without giving too much away. So really, uh, 36% from the audience score. So the, take that as a warning. Take my four star with a grain of star, salt. Salt. Yeah, with a grain of salt. So I really enjoyed it, but I guess that 36%, just that might be a warning to both of you. To, not to both of you, to, to you guys. Okay, so... All right, so that's it. These are my reviews for There's Something Wrong with the Children Again on theaters. It was on digital and on demand as we speak right now, and it'll be available on MGM Plus, that streaming service, on March 17th 
As for Detective Knight Independence, starring Bruce Willis, Jack Kilmer, and Willow Shields, it is in theaters as of this weekend. But you can also you can also purchase it on digital and on demand. On the show notes, I will have actually Amazon links where you can purchase or rent these movies, and a commission of that a commission if you purchase or rent it will go to me and the Cinematics crew, me Anderson Cowan, Bruce Berkey, and Eric Holmes. So thank you for that. Lastly, I'm going to plug my, my Find Your Film Facebook page. So for the Find Your Film Facebook page, that is sort of a sister page to Cinematics. But every single week, I'm trying to give – I'm giving out three Blu-rays or DVDs to members of that Find Your Film Facebook page community. I'm going to put – I'll put the link in the show notes as well. If you're a really huge physical media person, please like and follow that page because I'll be doing a lot of giveaways through that Find Your Film page. All right, that is it. Here's my interview with Edward Drake. Loved interviewing. I interviewed him for Gasoline Alley about a year, year and a half ago. And that's a movie, I, again, I really, really love. Uh, hopefully, some of you have seen Gasoline Alley. I know Bruce Porky and Eric Holmes, when they reviewed it over at Find Your Film earlier, they were not huge fans, but I was a huge, I just absolutely adored gasoline alley i have to watch actually more of drake's work and i'm wondering how his other stuff stacks up to gasoline alley i should have asked that him that question if gasoline alley is his best from his uh, oeuvre or what he thought about about that but it's a good interview and check out edward drake after edward drake again i will close out the episode with my dollar tree haul thanks again bye edward i really enjoyed your films gasoline alley i love and uh you know so look this movie is very interesting because it takes the, the POV from the person who is pretty much, for lack of a better word, fallen from grace. Can you just talk about that really interesting POV? Because that's that's a huge, uncompromising way to actually build the story. Thanks, Greg. Uh, good to see you again. The idea behind Independence was to always play with perspectives. And that's why we opened the film with an interesting POV, uh, one take uh, for the bank robbery. And I think that just gets the audience starting to think of the different ways in which crimes are uh, can be seen and perceived and the different motivations for criminals as well. So I never wanted to have a uh, a bad guy just, quote unquote, an antagonist doing it just for the money. There always had to be something more uh, fueling their uh, their desire. That goes back to, you know, we saw the best example of it is in Heat, with De Niro and um but at the same time Heat is such a seminal film because you've also got a uh, a hero who like Al Pacino is, all he is is what he's going after and so I definitely tried to embody that through the Night Trilogy and yeah with Independence yeah can you talk? I okay. So Brian De Palma is my favorite director. So I obviously, on a selfish level, yes, on a selfish level, appreciated the split screens at the beginning, the one take, the Lady in the Lake POV shots. You yeah. did so many visual flourishes. Can you? What well, you talked about that, but then also I really loved how you. Can you just talk about the split screen use at the first segment? And then, if I recall, I just saw the film, just sort of a locked in point of view with Jack and and following his journey for the meat of it, which I thought was also very very interesting. That claustrophobic feeling. That can you just talk about that visual design? Yeah, absolutely. And again, that was all playing into different perspectives on crime. Jack Kilmer plays Desi and he delivers such a nuanced and modern performance where he's internalizing so much. And he's in this, uh, surrounded by this machismo of the 80s that we're homaging throughout a lot of this. 
uh, series and independence is uh, independence is split screens and uh, are a way for us to look at different points of view, like I said, but also to play with what's real and what's imagined. So what does Desi think the most idealized version of policing looks like versus what's actually happening in reality? And always putting the, you know, the criminals and the cops um, as close together as possible, both morally and physically. Um, the nice thing about a split screen is we can make that metaphor uh, in the most hackneyed way possible, some might say, but I think it's uh, quite a nice dichotomy between good, uh, our ideas of good and evil and how they both exist in this like Venn diagram that overlaps for like 90% of you know, their, uh, their ideals. Yeah. And just talk about, I, I don't even know, think it's rolling the dice, but did you see Jack's previous work? What? How did you know that it was going to be him to carry your film? Because you're, it's an unorthodox casting and I think it really works. And I, I've seen a lot of these cop noirs and I'm just so glad that you just took a different leading man uh, to to follow, you know, in the narrative. So, yeah, to be entirely truthful, it, uh, Jack got the part two days before we started shooting. And yeah, it was uh, another actor who uh, unfortunately had to bow out um, right before filming started. And we, I've always loved Jack's work. I mean, The Nice Guys is one of my favorite films, and he's got one of the most um, memorable moments in that movie. So I still haven't seen it. The I nice need to see guy, it. I still haven't seen it. At peak Shane Black, it's like Lethal Weapons, one of my favorite films of all time. And this is a, it's like he's riffing on his own material in the most fun and cheeky way. Um, we can turn this into a nice guy's appreciation pod, but I wish you'd say. Anyway, Jack, Jack was in that. And uh, if I'm being honest, I just wanted to ask him questions about what it was like to be on that set. So that's why you got car. No, I'm joking. He's got <laughs> He delivers, he embodies, he takes a performance and he's able to embody it in such a magnetic way. And that's some movie star shit, quote unquote. I don't know if I can swear on this. Yeah, um, no, you, you can, you can, yeah. Fucking amazing. But <laughs> the, I wanted to, I, what I was striving to do is uh, create a parallel between the performance style of who we think of the cowboy cop uh, with yeah. Detective Knight, Bruce, I was fortunate enough to work with Bruce eight times up until that point on eight different films. So this was number nine for us. And I was able to just understand his performance style. And I wanted to find an actor like Jack who was youthful and could be an antagonistic young force that uh, also had a very uh, a performance style that was like almost in complete opposition to what, um bruce was was achieving so those two create this dark mirror effect um jack jack was able to immediately see okay in a different world i become knight i become the best detective like a major crimes detective that la has ever seen but through life and circumstance and reality i've instead gone down this path and so yeah jack's just a, a very smart kind intelligent uh, individual and uh, i hope we get to yeah yeah i hope we get to work together again you know edward during our last interview i, I remember you were saying that you are very well aware of the the reviews you get 
you know, both good and bad. And I wonder how you reconcile the two. There are some people who are really critical of your work, but then there are people like me who's like, wow, this guy loves Shane Black. He loves, he probably grew up on Walter Hill films. He writes his own material and then he's co-writing and he's collaborating and he's doing all these great chase sequences with a limited budget. How do you reconcile those two spectrums? Or do you just say, you know what, as much as I love these people who really love my work, I'm going to erase that. And in the criticism, I'm going to erase that too. And everything's a blank slate. Is that how you reconcile the two? It is good. Uh, there's, look, these movies made in. I tell people that we made this movie for four hundred thousand below the line, and yeah. that we we shot this uh, independence in seven days. Uh, I had one producer just call me a flat, flat out liar, and I had to show him the schedule, the day out of days, the budget, just to, so that I could prove a point and say like, no, it can it can be done. There's better ways to make movies um, than this, but there's an efficiency and there's a fire that comes that you can tap into. Um, but all that comes down to, at the end of the day, nobody cares how much money that you spent on a movie unless you're James Cameron. No one cares how many days you shot your movie in, like outside of like maybe 100 people on film Twitter. If it's a good film, like that is all that matters. Are you wasting someone's time? And for me... The hardest part about making some of these films is some people don't care if they're good. Some of the people that are making them don't care if they're good. And it's my job as the director to transfer my passion and get them excited to bring out the best in them. Now, whether critics recognize that, whether they understand just how fucking hard it is to make these films and emotionally what people like humans pour into them. I mean, there's this one reviewer who like gets incredibly personal with his critiques of the films and they're just these casual psycho, like he psychoanalyzes me based on what he sees on a Google search and then tries to apply that to every film. In in that way, I think it actually says a lot more about him than it does the films themselves. So do I wish people would look at the films? Absolutely. Um, but art is not made in a vacuum. Jason Blum said something very funny the other day. Uh, the reviews only matter if they're good. And if the reviews are bad, they don't matter. And all I know is that I gave my all. Uh, when Bruce called, I answered. And I just hope these films, are, yeah, I hope these films entertain and uh, enlighten. And, you know, we, we did right by Bruce and his legacy. You know, you did. And my, my big complaint regarding independence is I, I wish it was just 90 minutes of you uh, doing a, following a Dina Meyer story. What's it like for you to work with such great actors over your career? And, you know, you were growing up as a cinephile and then you, even though the Dina Meyer has a, as a small part, she's a big, she's a part of your production. That must be great to know. And then you're talking about the Bruce Willis legacy. Is it, uh, do you have time to actually pat yourself on the back during shooting or are you just so, so worried to just to get the day done? Right. When can you enjoy that, I guess? Oh, I, for me, it's always um, being able to create something with, like, good people, tell a good story. So with Dina, I, our amazing casting director, uh, Chadwick Strzok, um, he, again, there was another role, there was another actor that was supposed to be playing that role, but that role originally when we started shooting was going to be across all three films. But then due to production logistics, yeah. we had to move the shoots to Vancouver, BC, outside of... And so this one was shot in New Mexico. 
that Rogue and Redemption were shot in uh, Vancouver. And because of that, as we're shooting, we're, we shot these movies back to back to back. I'm rewriting between camera setups to make sense of what this production is kind of turning into just because of some producer stuff. Um, I, it came down to it that the actor who was originally cast in Dina's role wasn't able to, like, wasn't able to um, fulfill their commitments. So our amazing casting director, Chadwick, came back and said, well, I have a connection to Dina. And I said, are you kidding me? Absolutely. And she came um, out to New Mexico for two days, uh, hung out, and she's old, you know, old friends with Bruce. They had a great time, and that was the most important thing. Everyone had a, a great experience, and uh, Dina was such a team player. And yeah, we had a I, look. I wish we, I wish, uh, yeah, I wish we could have worked uh, worked the role into a bigger kind of like part for that film for independence but uh not every role you know this was this was just a very lucky casting and i'm very grateful that dina came out for it edward i, I want to i've asked you this before but i i want to know your you know you have a co-writer in a lot of your stuff but what is your workflow as a screenwriter because you have all these talented writers they're complaining how writing is torture it's just it's painful and it's hard for them to get to the blank the blank page but not only do you have to do the blank page you have to also direct what you're writing so you must what is the unlock for you as far as being pretty much a prolific writer on the on the screenplay sense i don't have a co-writer i've got a guy who just slaps his name on scripts um and he's a producer so he's allowed to do that and that's yeah. his prerogative and i'm not i'm more power to him without him these movies would not get made but uh when it comes to writing i i love writing i wake up at six every day so i can write before the emails and all the hollywood bullshit starts at 10 a.m once everyone else is out of bed uh it's uh, writing saved my life in so many different ways. It's taught me how to communicate with the world. Um, when I, I understand why some people are, um, yeah. Uh, oh, hold on. Yeah, oh, sorry. yeah. Yeah. I'll definitely wrap up. I'll cut this part. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, it's just going to, so I'll finish the, um, I'll finish the, I'll answer the question, but the, Writing, writing, like good writing is hard when you're being truthful. It's like psychoanalyzing yourself. It's a one man therapy session. And uh, when you're being honest with what comes out on the page, a lot of the time it is a reflection of the writer. And that can be very confronting for certain individuals. For me, it's very liberating uh, because it helps me understand how I see the world and how to communicate with the world. So I'm very grateful. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I love writing and I, whether I continue in this industry or not, I'm still going to keep writing in, uh, you know, for myself because it's, it's part of who I am. And just a 20 second out very quickly, Blu-rays and DVDs. Do you think physical media is still very important? Because I would like to see all your stuff on Blu-rays and hopefully archive for as far as archiving purposes. Do you think it's very still important? Yeah, absolutely. Because Spectrum Wi-Fi is out right now. And so... <laughs> <laughs> if uh, if this continues, no Netflix or HBO Max for me tonight, and I'm going to dig into my Blu-ray collection. So yes, absolutely. There's and when we're seeing libraries, uh, yeah, films being removed from libraries, like uh, we just don't know where this media is going to live, where this where this art is going to be stored. And yeah, absolutely. And also vinyl. Vinyl is uh, shout out to any other vinyl collectors out there because that's a, a very important medium. 
Thank you so much. Really love your work, Edward. Dude, Greg, thank you so much. I'll see you later. Always a pleasure, man. I'll talk to you for the next one. Take care. Hey guys, what's up? Here is my Dollar Tree haul. Actually, within the last week, I've made about three or four stops. This is the first stop that I did about a week ago, and that yielded me about 16 discs. I believe eight of them are Blu-rays and eight of them are DVDs. Just happened that way. So I'm going to start with the DVDs first. Again, we'd love to hear if you guys actually go to Dollar Tree or if there's a DVD store or Big Lot store near you, whatever, where you purchase Blu-rays and DVDs for a cheap price. Tell me if you think it's worth it. Email me, editor at deepstream.com. We'd love to hear some of your great bargains or great DVD purchases that you've had recently. Okay, so here's here we go. For the DVD DVD section, I have for $1.25. Again, these all these discs are sealed, okay? Dolph Lundgren Collection. I get Bridge of De- Dragons, The Peacekeeper, Blackjack, and Sweepers. Again, Bridge of Dragons, The Peacekeeper, Blackjack, and Sweepers. It's weird. He did a movie called years ago called I Come in Peace, and I still remember that as a... When, I think I was a teenager when that movie came out. Never saw it, but I think the trailer went, I come in peace, and then Lundgren says... This is just from memory. He goes, you go in pieces. What a great! I, I gotta actually look up that trailer if it's if it actually like that. But I really I need to see. I come in peace one of these days. But again, again, dollar twenty five. Dolph Lundgren collection on DVD. Bridge of Dragons, The Beastkeeper, Blackjack, and Sweepers. Four movies for the price of one. I bet you one of those Dolph Lundgren movies will be better than this M Night Shyamalan film Glass. And yeah, look, bonus features are alternate opening and deleted scenes. I was I saw this in the theaters. I was. Pretty. I was a huge fan of what was that Unbreakable and the movie before Glass, I believe. And this is one of those movies that just, as a part of the trilogy, it really disappointed me. What was the movie that McAvoy was in? Was it called Split, the one before Glass? But, anyways, this is the DVD sealed for dollar twenty-five. Get bonus features, which is the again, like I said, alternate opening and deleted scenes. Who knows? I have not actually revisited this movie to see if the deleted scenes are any good or whatnot, but it's worth having for $1.25. Now, I purchased again the Andrew Garfield and Claire Foy film Breathe. This looks like, I I don't know if it's based on a true story or whatnot, but again, anything with Andrew Garfield or Claire Foy, I'm going to purchase it. I think I have a couple of extras of these somewhere laying around, and I'm going to possibly maybe this week put breathe up on my find your film facebook page okay so again hunt out that page if you are a member follow that facebook page or like it and you will you can participate on in my weekly dvd and blu-ray giveaways on find your film so again that it's breathe that's yeah so, oh wait i forgot to say yeah bonus features deleted scenes and the featurette the story behind breathe there's a movie i've never heard of called wolves starring stephen mccaddy Lucas Till, and Merritt Patterson, who I interviewed years back, and also Jason Momoa. He rounds out the cast. It says wolves, and there's a big picture of a wolf. Jason Momoa and Lucas Till are sort of on the right-hand side of the cover, but the main cover is just a big wolf. And it says in subtitles, not subtitles, subheading, Unleash the Beast. Okay, so that's another DVD. There's a movie called The Life, The Death and Life of Bobby Z., starring the late Paul Walker and Lawrence Fishburne. The reason why I purchased this was, it's. I think it might be hard to get this DVD. Again, Dollar Tree is un- unloads a lot of discs, a lot of DVDs and Blu-rays because it's they're just trying to clear out all these titles. And then who knows, maybe in a year or two, these titles 
will be gone. So might as well get them while you can. And it's directed by John Hersfeld. And you might know him from his previous works. Let me look him up. I believe it's Two Days in the Valley. Yeah, Two Days in the Valley. And another movie he did called 15, I think it's called 15 Minutes with De Niro, Robert De Niro and Ed Burns. I interviewed Hersfeld back in the day. I think he had an office over on Venice, near Venice Beach or on Venice and interviewed him for the DVD release of 15 Minutes. And I, I don't know if I still have it here, but he autographed my DVD of that. I mean, I enjoy that movie. I still haven't seen, I do need to rewatch 15 Minutes. And over the years, I've always wanted to check out The Death and Life of Bobby Z. And I believe recently Hersfeld, as of 2019, he directed Sly Stallone, Sylvester Stallone in a movie called Escape Plan. I know, or the follow-up to Escape Plan, I believe Escape Plan, The Extractors or something like that. Let me look up John Hersfeld right now. But he's a very interesting, he was, a, if I recall, a very interesting direct, very interesting, um, how do I say this, Inter- interviewee. So yeah, he wrote also Two Days in the Valley. He has a ton of writing credits, but he also wrote and direct, uh, directed as of recently the 2019 film Escape Plan, The Extractors, starring Dave Bautista and Sylvester Stallone. I had no idea Bautista. I just recent, recently realized several days ago that he is part Filipino. I'm an idiot. Um, so anyways, DVDs, moving forward. There is a movie I never heard of called The D-Train. The D-Train starring Jack Black and James Marden, Marsden. I do not know if this is any good, but look at the special features. Deleted scenes and a gag reel. Doesn't have digital code. It's only the DVD, but who knows? I don't even know if it's streaming around, but... For deleted scenes for $1.25, and then if the movie's half good, who knows, might be good. I will keep on buying this movie called On Chesil Beach because it has deleted scenes and it stars Saoirse Ronan and Billy Howell. I don't know who Billy Howell is, but definitely do know who Saoirse Ronan is. On Chesil Beach, one of her indie films from several years back, and it's sealed DVD. Finally, there is a movie. Again, I not, not, don't even know what this is. Beast of Burden. It's not, the, it's not a Rolling Stones doc. It is... A movie headlined by Daniel Radcliffe. It looks like some kind of action film. So I don't know if that's any good. Beast of Burden. And again, the sub the subheading is Beast of Burden. Lines are meant to be crossed. Who else stars in this? Hmm. No one that I really know of. Let's see what Beast of Burden got on IMDb with Daniel Radcliffe because he usually he is usually in pretty good movies. Let's see. Beast of Burden also stars Grace Gummer. You might know Grace Gummer from. I'm trying to think of other films that she's been in, but she is Meryl Streep's daughter, Grace Gummer. Ooh, Beast of Burden, released in 2018, 3.6 out of 10 on IMDb. My goodness, that is not good. Let's try Rotten Tomatoes. Maybe let's make this purchase work for me. Beast of Burden, Daniel Radcliffe. Let's see. Beast of Burden, Daniel Radcliffe. Beast of Burden. Sorry, Daniel Radcliffe. Okay, here we go. Oh, and it also stars Pablo Schreiber. He was in Halo. Okay, ooh. Check this out. Beast of Burden, Tomato Meter, 25%, eight reviews. And there are over 100 ratings on Beast of Burden, 9% rating on that. Wouldch. My goodness. I might just I might just watch it just because of that uh, 9% rating. Okay, now let's get the Blu-rays. There's a faith-based movie called Do You Believe? It stars Mir Sorvino, Sean Astin, and who else? Ted McGinley, Ooh, Ted McGinley from Happy Days and Married with Children. That's pretty cool. Civil Shepherds in it. Lee Majors. Do you believe I might actually watch this? I'm a Catholic, but I do not. I don't watch a ton of faith-based movies. It's I just haven't covered them during my life, and I don't know. Maybe I, I'll give it a shot. 
I'll, I'll look it up. Maybe I'll actually keep this because this Do You Believe It has the Blu-ray, the DVD combo pack, and I wonder if it has – it does not have the digital code. So it's a Blu-ray and DVD. Special features are actor interviews and trailers. Now, there's a movie that we've been talking about over on our Cinematics Facebook group for quite a spell, Assassination Nation. I got this on Blu-ray. The digital – and Blu-ray and digital, it's sealed – I don't know. I'm assuming maybe the digital code might be old, might not be able to be used. But if it does work, that'd be kind of cool. So I got Assassination Nation. There's a movie called Dark Was the Night, Blu-ray, DVD, and digital copy. And it's directed by Joshua Leonard, who I recently who I interviewed about a year and a half ago for a movie. I forgot the name, but it was a couple pregnancy indie film that was really funny. And this I've seen, look, it has Marissa Tomei, Timothy Oliphant. Charlie Plummer from St. Jack. We love him. And Muriel Enos from The Killing. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name correctly, but Dark Wizard Night has a really good cast and directed by Joshua Leonard, who I liked his previous film. So it might be interesting to watch. The Curse of La Llorona. And this is a movie that is a, I remember it coming out several years back. I don't even know how it did on the box office, but it was a real theatrical release. This has deleted scenes and several featurettes. That's cool. And storyboards. I have purchased so many copies of Boyhood, directed by Richard Richard Linklater, Blu-ray, DVD, and digital. I have not opened up any of my copies yet. I sent one to my buddy Peter Beta from Middle Class Film Class. I am assuming this digital codes don't work. I'm going to get back to you guys if it does work. But I'm assuming it's probably old. But again, Boyhood. For $1.25 on Blu-ray and DVD and digital, not a bad thing. Oh, look, I got another copy of Do You Believe on Blu-ray and DVD. The, the first one had a slip cover. This one does not have a slip cover. Okay, final two ones. The final second to last one is another copy of Boyhood. I, <laughs> I don't know how many Boyhood copies I have in my cabinet, but this might be the fourth or fifth one so boyhood and last but not least is a movie for some reason i just never will watch but look it has jason siegel ed helms and susan sarandon it's called jeff who lives at home on blu-ray i don't know doesn't I don't know, maybe who knows maybe i might watch it it's in mark duplass duplass right and jay jay and mark duplass and they're sort of pretty much the what i'm not saying avatars models for ind- independent filmmaking it might be worth watching who knows but this is really this. I purchased this because I haven't seen a. This is the first time I've actually seen the Blu-ray version of Jeff Who Lives at Home at Dollar Tree. I've, over the years, I've seen a bunch of DVDs as well, DVD copies of Jeff Who Lives at Home. But this is the first time I saw the Blu-ray. So, copy. That's it. That's those are the sixteen discs I have so far. Now, again, I'm going to be branching out the Find Your Film episodes to talk about. Discs that are streamed, that are discs that are coming out in the future, you know, and then also do some DVD and Blu-ray reviews along with my weekly Dollar Tree hauls and then director interviews. Okay, if you have if you have any questions, hit me up over at my email editor at divastream.com. Check out our companion podcast, Cinematics, with me, Anderson Cowan, Bruce Perky, and Eric Holmes. And again, last but not least, find your film Facebook. Follow. Subscribe, not follow, subscribe, uh, like, yada, yada, yada. Tell me what you think. And thanks again for supporting me here over on Find Your Film as well as Cinematics. Have a great week, guys, watching movies, collecting DVDs and Blu-rays, whatever you do with all that extra money. Take care, guys. Bye.